Bayer and Dolores, musicians. We really could uh, pray the benediction and go home. You have already preached Psalm 44. It's been a wonderful morning already. Thank you for being here. Happy Father's Day again. Last week, after a big dose of J.I. Packer and Psalms 42 and 43, my soul, why are you so disquieted within me? On her way home, Sandy said to me, well, I hope you're going to have something a little brighter, a little happier, a little more positive. And... uh, I'm going to uh, just preach the word and let the Holy Spirit apply it to your heart. I think that's always the safest. So, if you think I'm stepping on your toes today, it's okay. You need it, but blame the Holy Spirit, okay? Back in the winter, Matthew asked me about Psalm 44. He really plans ahead. And uh, he said, do you want to do 42 and 43 or do you want to do 44? And I said, well, I think the 44 is on Father's Day. And since I qualify, I'll, I'll preach that day. Really, I was just procrastinating one more week. And uh, so, for these three months or so, I've been trying to work on Psalm 44. I've read it almost every day. Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to me? For most of those three months, I didn't worry about you guys. I just, I just knew I had to have something. And uh, finally, Thursday night, I felt like the Lord spoke and uh, kind of brought it together in my heart. So we'll see here. Let's get to work. Let's pray a word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, already beautiful Beautiful with music, beautiful with praise to you, beautiful with your presence. We have sensed you here, O God. You've already touched our hearts. And so, Lord, we thank you for all of the fathers, all of the men who have made a difference in our lives. We pray that you would bless them, bless their memories. But, Lord... We got up and got ready, and now we're ready to hear from you. And so, oh God, thank you for each one who's come today. These are my friends. Most of them came because they are my friends. They could have stayed home. Some of them came out of curiosity, and some of them just showed up. But Lord, you have a word for each of us today. 
So speak to me and speak through me, I pray, for your honor and glory. In the name of Christ, amen. So a man was sleeping in, or trying to, uh, when his wife called him from the kitchen. Get up, honey. It's time to go. No response. About five minutes later, in a little bit of an elevated volume, she says, okay, get up. You got to get ready. A little bit later, no response. So this time, she's getting a little bit perturbed, a little bit aggravated. And so she hollers up again. You're going to get late, so get up and get going. The man very meekly says, oh, it's Father's Day and I, I wanted to sleep in a little bit. Can you give me three good reasons why I should get up? Now the wife at this time, she's kind of at the upper limits of her patience. She's pretty aggravated, yeah. You ladies know that, don't you? Yeah. She says, I'm going to give you three good reasons. Number one, it's Sunday morning. The people are waiting and you're preaching. (laughs) Now get up and get going. Well, Sandy did come and check on me this morning, but she didn't have to get me going too bad. It's Father's Day. I've thought a lot about my dad. He's been gone for 12 years. He taught me a lot of things. He showed me a lot of things. He told me a lot of things. He had a fixed mindset, but he challenged me to have a little bit more growing mindset, uh, more curious. Um, And so my dad and I, we had some conflicts. He was pretty set in his ways. I was uh, a little bit, I'm probably more like him now than I was 50 or 60 or 70 years ago. But the longer that I walk with the Lord the more I, I see Jesus being completely and unreservedly open to the leadership of his Father, showing me about trusting, demonstrating by his example obedience, obedience to the Father. And uh, this message today is, is for me, and I hope that you we'll find what the Spirit is saying to you as well. Our call to worship this morning from Isaiah helps us to understand perspective. Uh, If you've got your little uh, sermon notes there, take your pen and up in the corner, put three letters. This, This is a kind of the basic outline. P, P, and P. Three P's in a pod or three P's on your paper. And uh, the first P is perspective. But listen again to what Isaiah records as the very word of God. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The very words of God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your ways. What is your perspective today? Do you have that mind set on Christ? You know, Paul helped us there in Philippians. Let this mind have this attitude have the same mindset, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, psychologists, they talk to us about this. They tell us that there are at least two opposing mindsets to one degree or another in all of us. That growth mindset, that open mindset, that learning mindset, and the mind that is Fixed, concrete, closed. So what's your perspective? What's your mindset? I had an old evangelist tell me one time, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotten. And so think about it. Take a little self-exam this morning. Are you a curious learner? Are you curious, George? (laughs) Or are you concrete closed, your mind's made up, you're set in your ways? Now, this can be true of Christians as well as non-Christians, believers as well as non-believers. I like what Paul David Tripp, he writes about this. He says, confession of sin is not natural for us. Now, I've read this through probably a dozen times, so it's fresh to me. This is your first time hearing it, probably, unless you read his devotional, but would you listen to it? Confession of sin is not natural for us. It is natural for us to think of ourselves as more righteous than we are. It's natural to blame our wrongs on others. It's natural to say our behavior was caused by some difficult circumstance we were in. It's natural to exercise our inner lawyer and defend ourselves when we're confronted with a sin, a weakness, or a failure. It's natural to turn the tables when we're being confronted and tell our accusers that they are surely bigger sinners than we are. It's natural to see ourselves more as law keepers than as lawbreakers. It's natural to point to our biblical literacy or our theological understanding and our knowledge as proof of our own spiritual maturity. It's natural to be more concerned about the sin of others than about our own sin. It's natural to be more critical of the attitudes and behaviors of others than our own. It's natural for you and me to be blind to the depths of our own spiritual need. Because of this sturdy system of self-righteousness, it is natural for every sinner, every one of us. It is unnatural for us to be clear-sighted, humble, 
self-examining and ready to confess our sin and own who we are. What is your perspective today? And I'm not talking about positive thinking, health, wealth, and beauty. Um, Not a TED Talk with a rock concert. I'm talking about a biblical view of ourselves. Our biblical view of our own stuff. So, our scripture today, Psalm 44. You didn't think I was going to get away from it totally, did you? God, my heavenly Father, you have blessed me. These first three verses in Psalm 44. Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, then you planted them. You afflicted the peoples, then you spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored them. Do you realize how blessed we are? People sometimes uh, probably get tired when I, they ask me how I'm doing, and I just say, I'm blessed. But it's really the truth. It's really the truth. I, I love what Charles Spurgeon says. Uh, he was talking about First Chronicles 5.22, that many fell because the war was the Lord's. It was of God. And uh, he says this, the armies of God could barely muster 45,000 fighting men, and yet in their way, in their war with the enemy, they captured 100,000 men. For they cried to God in the battle, and he granted their urgent plea. The Lord saves not by many, nor by few. It is ours to go to Jehovah, In his name, even if we're only a handful, for the Lord of hosts is with us as our captain. They did not neglect their weapons, but neither did they place their trust in them. We must use all fitting means, but our confidence must rest in the Lord and in him alone. For he is the sword and the shield of his people. The great reason for the people's extraordinary success lay in the fact that the war was of God. The battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. And that's what the psalmist is recognizing here. It wasn't with their own hand, not with their own arm. It was God that rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt. It was God that led them to that place where They had vineyards that were already planted, wells that they had not dug, but they were able to draw from. Think about us. Think about you. Have you counted your blessings lately? Have you just stopped for just a moment to think about a God who not only gives us salvation in His Son, Jesus, but this God who provides for us? Diane, thank you. Yes, he can. He is able. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. He's moved mountains. He's fought my battles. He's provided for me. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I think about those Israelites and uh, the people that uh, this psalm was written to and written by. Not sure if it was David. Some think it might have even been Hezekiah when he was getting ready to be assimilated by uh, the Babylonians, by the Assyrians. And uh, here, just take a look at at what uh, uh, this passage says to us. Um, Lord, you've done it. You've blessed us. You've blessed me. You've been with me. And uh, I think about how blessed we are as I read Deuteronomy 28. And here's the word from the Lord. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Now, they were obedient. They enjoyed the blessings of God. You know that promise is still true for us today? God still blesses. Now, I'm not talking about health, wealth, and all that. I'm talking about the blessings of every day, the blessings of every breath. I like some songs, and one of the songs that I like talks about there are only so many heartbeats in a lifetime. Well, I want to take advantage of every one of those heartbeats. And so then the psalmist goes on, he says in verse 4, You're my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. It is so. Wow. And, uh, you know, again and again, we come to this passage where uh, it is God who does the work. My Heavenly Father... You are the source of all my blessings. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. All creatures here below. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise Him. Praise Him. Amen. Chip Ingram, he writes, If we do not understand and trust God's faithfulness, we will not trust the rest of His character either. We've been studying very faithfully these last several weeks, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, and understanding from that biblical view how our sovereign God cares for us. He's unchangeable. He's immutable. He's faithful. He's sovereign. 
He's in control. And yet right here in the problem, or right here in the midst, there's the second P of your three P's in a pod. The problem, but, but God, but in you we've boasted all day long, but you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor. And do not go out with our armies. You cause us to turn back from the adversary. And those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You give us as sheep to be eaten. You've scattered us among the nations. Verse 12. You sell your people cheaply and have not profited by their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and a derision to those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my dishonor is before me and my humiliation has overwhelmed me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. Do you hear his cry? It's almost the cry of Job, isn't it? Lord, I don't understand. How come I'm sitting here on this ash heap with all these boils and all these sores on me? How come you took my kids and, and my stuff, all of my, my wealth? Because I've tried to be faithful to you when we don't understand. God, you're my father, the source of all blessings. But here I am. Where are you, oh God? When I suffer and I'm defeated. So here we come to this great age-old question. The problem question. If God is loving and God is all-powerful, why does he allow evil? Well, I'm sure that uh, in the next few minutes we're not going to solve that whole question. But it's a question that all of us ask, isn't it? Especially when we're going through stuff. Especially when we're in pain. Especially when we're at the end of the week, our week's pay, before we're at the end of the week. Yeah. And again, those who write this and those who listen to it, we're probably thinking of Deuteronomy. Those blessings and curses Uh, in Deuteronomy 30. See, I've said before you today, life and good death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of days 
that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So, God, where are you? I've been trying to be a good boy. I've tried to do what you asked me to do. I've been tried to be faithful. You know, I go to church most every Sunday. I even go to Sunday school. I even pay my tithe. I try to help when I can. And and don't forget, Lord, I I give out those name tags at, at the breakfast, the men's breakfast. And, you know, I don't kick my cat and I don't beat my wife. I don't have a cat. Sandy is not beat worthy, usually. And uh, so this problem, how come, God, where are you? I've been, I've been trying to follow you. But now I'm rejected. I'm, I'm defeated. That song that we sang, Diane, was just kind of like, Right here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm distressed. I'm disappointed. I'm dismayed. I'm totally discouraged. I've been dissed by the God of creation. The God I've been trying to follow. There's a word here of reality, isn't there? A word of reality. That life is not a bowl of cherries. That uh, life is not a bouquet of roses. There are a lot of thorns. The old Russian philosopher said, life is hard and then you die. Because real life is real tough. And sometimes we can just about form these words ourselves, can't we? Because my faith tells me to sing, but my heart tells me to surrender and give up. Yeah. I'm defeated. I'm deported. I'm derided. Ever have those feelings? Ever have those thoughts? Because sometimes they come to all of us. We want to put on a happy face. We want to put on that smiley emoji to our emails. But really, we kind of have to look around and we're not seeing very much to smile about or be happy about. But then he concludes this fabulous psalm. Verse 23. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up. Be our help. And redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. Do you hear that little twinge of faith? You hear that little twinge that God really is still around. I love 
the little saying that was found after World War II on the wall of a concentration camp. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when I'm alone. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Have you had those moments where it seems God is silent? Has it come to your life circumstance where you have those moments when it seems that God, even though you're praying aloud and loud, (laughs) he's a million miles away. He is there. We can count on him. Psalm 46 reminds us, God is, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even when everything's up for grabs, we will not fear. God, my Heavenly Father, you've blessed me. God, you're my Father and the source of all my blessings. God, where are you when I suffer and I'm defeated? God, I trust you and your loving kindness. Isn't it amazing that uh, the psalmist here uses these verses in verse... uh, He talks to us about being as sheep to be eaten, verse 11. And then over in verse um, 22, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Do those words sound a little familiar? Yeah. Paul's word to us in the book of Romans. You know, Paul reminds us, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Suffering is real. And suffering is a real part of being a child of God. Jesus suffered. Paul said to the Philippians, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and share in the fellowship of his suffering. That's part of it. Paul went on in Romans to say, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who was at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's your plea? That's the third P in the pod. Your perspective, your problem, your plea, your prayer. Do you believe God and His Word today? You say you believe God. Does your life reflect that true profession of faith and belief? Do you trust God enough to let Him have your life? Do you trust Him that He won't hurt you? Holiness is completeness. Alistair Begg wrote this, and I, I love it. It follows up what we talked about in our class today. He says, when the Bible uses the term believe, it doesn't refer merely to intellectual assent. To believe is not simply to agree with certain propositions, ideas, or doctrines. To believe, in a biblical sense, involves a transfer of trust from ourselves onto Christ. It's as if we had all our assets stored in the central bank of self. We withdrew all of that and deposited all into the royal bank of Jesus Christ. Trust. Obedience. Sandy and I have a little townhouse with a little front porch, with a little tree in front. And a couple of weeks ago, we saw a little hummingbird build her little nest in a little branch in that little tree. And I thought about those hummingbird eggs. They're tiny. They're, they're smaller than a jelly bean. But Mother Hummer sits on those birds, those bird eggs so faithfully. Oh. When that old squirrel comes, boy, Mama Hummer, she gets going right away. She's flying around, flitting around, trying to distract and, and mess with that hummingbird. I thought about me. Sometimes I'm all fluttery. But I've got a heavenly father. I've got a heavenly father. I've got a heavenly father who watches over me who cares for me. Sometimes he sits on me. But he does that to keep me warm and protected. When the hail came, when the rain came, that hummingbird was right there on her eggs. And Jesus said, how much more? If God takes care of those sparrows and he takes care of the lilies, how much more will he take care of you? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be given to you. Well, we're going to sing. Trust and obey, for there's no other way.
to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I appreciate Diane and the musicians. They put up with my little request today, sang some songs I liked. Hope you liked them too. Thank you, Father, for being our Father, for being our good, good Father. Lord, you love us, and so you discipline us. Sometimes, Lord, you're silent to get our attention, but you're always with us. And today, oh God, teach us new lessons about trusting, about obeying, about paying attention. Teach us new lessons by your Holy Spirit for us to look beyond ourselves and to see you. Help us, faithful Holy Spirit, to see ourselves as you see us. Needy, poor, wretched, naked, and blind. We need you. And we need you every moment. So Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to obey you. We love you today. And we thank you for all that you provide for us. In the name of Christ, amen. Mm -hmm. Let's stand together.